This is an RNZ podcast. Back in the 1970s, the Listener magazine was a hefty publication in terms of its size and weight, as well as its cultural and political influence. It often sold more than 200,000 copies each week, astonishing considering there were only 3 million of us back then. And that was partly thanks to its monopoly on the TV and radio listings, and also the much-anticipated arrival of a second TV channel. But also, the range and vigour of its journalism was part of the appeal. The editor for five fruitful years from 1973 was Ian Cross, who died earlier this month at the age of 93. From 1975 onwards, Ian Cross was often at odds with the Prime Minister Robert Muldoon, who reckoned the listener leaned far too far to the left, and he was even criticised by some of his own staff, some of whom reckoned he and his editorial stances were too conservative. But Tom Scott, who prospered at Ian Cross's listener and also got up the nose of Mr Muldoon, told the New Zealand Herald last week Ian Cross changed New Zealand journalism by fostering young journalists back then, including himself. He was a very tall, very charming, very handsome midwife to a whole maternity ward of emerging talent. So his influence on New Zealand journalism via other people more than himself was extraordinary. In the Stuff Papers last week, writer Philip Matthews said Ian Cross was one of a handful of New Zealand editors who was on a mission to shape New Zealand culture and national thought, and he said The Listener was a genuinely national magazine. Here's how Ian Cross himself described that mission in an RNZ Insight programme back in 1979. My whole view, editorial view, was to begin from your readers, begin from your country, begin from your country's people, and express their reactions, explain them. Uh, sympathetically. Sometimes this took me uh, strongly against prevailing trends, but I didn't mind that. But by doing this, I think I struck for the magazine a chord of recognition uh, among many people that hadn't read the magazine before. Somehow or other, they felt represented by the magazine. Why is the listener so often in the firing line? Because it uh, chooses the key subjects of the day and examines them or attempts to examine them in depth and sometimes gives uh, people with opinions, with a polemic uh, view of the world, uh, a scope to express themselves. This strong form of journalism is inevitably going to produce a reaction. I think it's a very desirable reaction. Uh, I don't care whether the strong view is from the left or the right. I think New Zealand society needs stimulating needs enlivening, and we need to be more conscious of uh, our own opinions, uh, and uh, one way of achieving that consciousness is to be uh, exacerbated or annoyed by the opinions of other people, if you like. In other words, it's a contribution to a more stimulating and interesting society. Ian Cross there on RNZ's Insight back in 1979. Now, Ian Cross had started out as a cadet journalist in the 1940s, and in 1964 he became a regular on Column Comment, the first New Zealand television programme to critique the media. Here he is in a 1967 edition, taking the papers to task for lacklustre coverage of political leaders. They appear at present in cartoon outline only. The Prime Minister in bolder lines, because he's been around much longer as a national figure. Mr Kirk, an insubstantial line drawing in the background. No wonder there are gaps in the public knowledge and understanding. Two years later, on Column Comment, Ian Cross looked at claims that the creeping conservatism of newspapers was excluding alternative viewpoints at a time where there were lots of those around. And here he's responding to this startling statement from the publisher of the New Zealand Herald. The policy of our newspapers here might be ultra-conservative politically, 
but they give space to the views of radicals, liberals, socialists, and crackpots. I think this is a very true and significant statement. Our papers do. And just how much space is given is partly up to the intelligence and the political knowledge and the hard work of our radicals, liberals, socialists, and crackpots. But to a certain extent, the game is stacked against an opposition or minority group. The establishment, or a national government, can depend on a sympathetic response from the papers. As the editor of The Listener later on, Ian Cross aired similar concerns, and he also made the readers think about news and broadcasting. This is part of an editorial from March 1976, which could easily be written today in 2019. Television has brought the strong influence of show business to news, to the detriment of the social purpose which should imbue its dissemination. Skilled publicists and manipulators of events also make people wary and vaguely mistrustful of what is offered to them by the media. But while all that and more may be admitted, much criticism is not justified. Not long after writing that, Ian Cross was put in charge of TV and public radio as the chair and chief executive of the New Zealand Broadcasting Corporation. In the late 1970s and early 80s were turbulent times there. He oversaw the creation of TVNZ, merged out of TV1 and the second channel South Pacific TV, later TV2. And when that controversial move was imminent, back in 1979, Ian Cross talked to RNZ's Sharon Crosby about there being too much coverage of the media in the media. I took a swift count of uh, metropolitan newspapers and found that despite the awesome problems confronting New Zealand, indeed the whole Western world, they were devoting more space to broadcasting and its problems. Now this is totally out of proportion. We should be about, I don't know, seventh or eighth in the priority of our national attention. Currently we seem to be running first or second. Why is it so important to us? I used to think that it was uh, uh, a miscalculation on the part of population of New Zealand and indeed on the part of the, pop, uh, the, the politicians. Now I'm beginning to wonder whether there isn't something of symbolic importance to uh, broadcasting. I guess it's become to our society what the nervous system is to the individual. That is, if your nervous system is working well, reporting accurately, responding and giving you a perspective on the world, you feel healthy and happy about it. Right now, of course, broadcasting is reflecting difficulty, it's reflecting fears, it's reflecting doubts, it's reflecting problem after problem. And so perhaps the attention is being directed not at those problems, but at the medium which is constantly confronting us with those problems. The late Ian Cross there speaking as Chief Executive of the Broadcasting Corporation of New Zealand in 1979. Ian Cross's ultimate plan was to end competition between the two state-owned TV channels and carve off one of them as a non-commercial public broadcaster. But he didn't get his way under Muldoon's government and he didn't survive the switch to the fourth Labour government in 1984, as Jeff Robinson pointed out on Morning Report at the time when Ian Cross quit the following year. Several months before last year's snap election, David Longy said that Ian Cross would, as he put it, find it convenient to resign under a Labour government. And in those circumstances, it wasn't a surprise that Ian Cross went on to tell Jeff Robinson this. My single greatest lesson of my time has been that broadcasting does best when it is left alone, uh, when it is free of, no matter how well-intentioned, outside uh, influences on how it should be conducted, mainly political. Once he was out of broadcasting, Ian Cross became a big critic of New Zealand's television model. In January 2000, he told the New Zealand Herald this. 
Looking back, I created a Frankenstein's monster. Television is the most pervasive and democratic medium in any country. Every Western country has a non-commercial television service. We haven't. In a tribute to Ian Cross published last week, a listener editor who followed in his footsteps more than 20 years later, Finlay MacDonald, said that Ian Cross had once described free market TVNZ as a hooker who walked the marketplace with the government of the day, acting as her pimp by taking a share of what she earned. Finlay MacDonald said last week that when you live to almost 94, you do tend to outlive some of your dreams and ideas. But he said that Ian Cross also succeeded in championing a confident, inclusive national culture and also in becoming part of it.